This morning we are continuing our journey through uh, the songs of Christmas, the first songs of Christmas in Luke 1 and Luke 2. Last week we looked at Mary's song, the Magnificat, in which she celebrated the fact that Jesus the King had come, and that because Jesus had come, God was lifting up the humble and tearing down the proud, all in fulfillment of his promises. And this morning we are going to look at Zechariah's song in Luke 1, 67 through 80. In this song, like Mary, Zechariah sings in a major key. He blesses God because of what God is doing through Jesus. But we see additional aspects, kind of like a diamond. We see additional facets of the beauty of what God has done for us in Christ. And specifically, we see that Zechariah blesses the Lord because the Lord has saved his people, has saved us from our sins. He has delivered his people. He has purified his people. He has forgiven his people. So let us stand and hear Zechariah's words, his blessing of the Lord, and may it lead us to bless the Lord as well. It says this, verse 67, And John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Zechariah's song begins on a note of major key praise. What's the opening word that he uses? Blessed. Who is to be blessed? The Lord, the God of Israel. Zechariah says, blessed be our God. But why does Zechariah sing praise? Why does he bless the Lord? Why should we bless the Lord? Because the Lord saves his people from their sins. Specifically, he delivers his people from the consequences of their sin. He purifies his people of their sins and he forgives his people despite their sins. Zechariah's song is a beautiful picture of God's grace to us and his work among his people, his faithfulness in spite of our faithlessness. The song is a 
song that was sung not at Jesus's birth. It's actually a few months before Jesus's birth. It was sung at John the Baptist's birth, the birth of Zechariah's son, but it is primarily focused on Jesus and on what God is doing through Jesus. It begins by celebrating the way that God, through Jesus, delivers his people. When Zechariah sang this song, God's people were at a low point. They were in the depths of darkness, in the shadow of death, as Zechariah puts it in verse 79. They were under the oppression of the Roman Empire. Before that, they'd been under the Greeks. Before that, the Babylonians and the Persians. And all of that was the result of their own sin. God had made them his people. He had delivered them from slavery in Egypt and promised them that if they obeyed them, obeyed him, they would thrive and be blessed, but that if they rebelled against him, they would go into exile and would suffer the consequences of their sin. And the story of the Old Testament, which leads up to the New Testament, is really the sad story of God's people descending further and further into sin and so descending further and further into darkness and into the ruin that their sin brought. And so when Zechariah sings this, Israel, God's people, was at a low point. They had been waiting for century after century after century, saying, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God, come deliver us, free us, bless us, bring the king on David's throne that you have promised. We're waiting, God, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And yet Zechariah knew and they knew that they had only themselves to blame for this situation. Their sin, their rebellion against God was the reason they were sitting in darkness. Their sin was the reason they were sitting in the shadow of death. Their sin was the reason why they needed deliverance in the first place, why they needed a Messiah, why they needed a Savior and a King. And so they waited and waited and waited. And when Zechariah heard the news from the angel Gabriel that his wife would conceive a son, John, and when he heard the news that Mary had conceived a son who would be the king on David's throne, Zechariah knew that despite God's people's faithlessness, God was showing himself faithful. That God was coming to deliver them from the ruin and the darkness and the death that their sin had brought. And that's why he sings. Notice the focus on God's deliverance in verses 68 through 69. Zechariah says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Zechariah says, God is doing what he promised he would do. God is saving us. He is delivering us. He uses language drawn from the Old Testament, and really this whole psalm is knitted together with a bunch of language from psalms. There's at least five psalms he knits together, multiple prophetic references. We don't have time to go through it all. But Zechariah sees the promises of God being fulfilled, and he celebrates that God had come to them. Notice it is God who has visited his people, verse 68. In the coming of Jesus, God in the flesh God was coming to his people, and he was coming to save them, to redeem them. This word redeemed is language for freeing a slave, purchasing a slave and freeing them. 
It was language from the Old Testament used of God redeeming his people Israel from slavery in Egypt and making them his people. And so Zechariah sees in the coming of Jesus, the promised Messiah, God himself coming and freeing his people from their slavery just as he had in the past. Freeing them and redeeming them and delivering them from the darkness they were in. And doing so through the coming of the promised king. That is Zechariah's focus in verse 69. How has God visited and redeemed his people? He has raised up a horn of salvation for them in the house of his servant David. This is language of a king. Royal language. Horns in the Old Testament always refer to great power and strength. And so Zechariah says, we've been waiting. We've been down in the darkness and death. We've been under the suffering that is our own fault. But now God is changing things. God is bringing the king we've been waiting for for so long. He is saving us and delivering us and doing exactly what he promised he would do. Our fortunes are changing, Zechariah says. And so he blesses God. He sees in the coming of Jesus a deliverance of God's people, a deliverance God's people could not bring about on their own, but a deliverance that God was bringing about in Jesus. And a deliverance that showed that God was still faithful, that he was keeping his promises. Notice in verses 69 through 73 how Zechariah focuses on the way God is doing what God said he would do. He's raised up a horn of salvation for them in the house of his servant David. There were many promises in the Psalms that this king would come. Zechariah says, in Jesus, those promises are fulfilled. The holy prophets spoke of how God would deliver his people through the Messiah. And Zechariah says what the prophet said, it's coming true, verse 70. He says that God was showing the mercy, the covenant love that he had promised to their fathers. Verse 72, that God was remembering his holy covenant with his people. Verse 72, that God was doing that which he had promised to Abraham. Verse 73, that all of this salvation was showing God's faithfulness. This deliverance was showing that God can be trusted, that God keeps his promises, that God does not abandon his people, even though his people had often abandoned him. Zechariah says, God is delivering us. God is faithful. God is worthy of praise. And he rejoices. And so should we. Our sin brings us down to darkness and to death. It lays us low. But God delivers us from that darkness. God delivers us from that death. God keeps his promises. He is faithful, even when we have been unfaithful. And that's why Zechariah blesses the Lord. And that's why we should too. There is more here that Zechariah praises God for than just the fact that God delivers his people from the consequences of their sin. Zechariah knows that unless God's people's sin problem, the problem in their hearts is addressed, they'll just go back to doing what they had always been doing. And so Zechariah knew 
looking at his own heart in the events of Luke 1, where he disbelieves God at one point, looking at the hearts of his people, looking at the history of his people, that they needed a change in themselves, that they needed God to purify them, to make them different than they had been in the past. And Zechariah celebrates in this passage that God, in the coming of Jesus and in the sending of the messenger John the Baptist before Jesus, was doing just that. That not only was he addressing the problems their sin had created, but that he, through Jesus, was addressing their root problem, our root problem, our sinfulness, and that he is purifying us. We see this in verses 75 through 77. In verse 74 through 75, we see the reason why God was doing this. Why was God visiting his people? Why was God delivering his people, redeeming them, raising up a horn of salvation for them? Why was God doing all of these things that he had promised? Zechariah tells us. It is so that we, verse 74, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve God without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. God was saving his people so that they might serve him and that they might serve him in particular ways with holiness and righteousness. The history of God's people in the Old Testament is not one where holiness and righteousness are the dominant themes. Rather, the picture in the Old Testament is God's people becoming more and more unholy, becoming more and more unrighteous, and more and more in need of deliverance. And Zechariah here says that in the coming of Jesus, the king, God is doing something so that we, his people, might serve him and serve him in holiness and righteousness, that we might be different than God's people were in the Old Testament, that we might no longer be enslaved to sin. And Zechariah sees in the coming of Jesus those promises being fulfilled as well. See, the promises and the prophets of old that were being fulfilled were not just that God would save his people from the consequences of their sin. It was also that God would deliver them from their sinfulness that God would change them, that he would wash them clean, that he would fill them with his spirit and write his ways on their hearts that they might follow him in righteousness, in holiness, that he would purify his people. And Zechariah sees that in Jesus, God is doing just that, that God is making his people the sort of people that he wants them to be, that he is making them holy and making them righteous that they might serve him well rather than serving him faithlessly and unrighteously as they had in the past. This idea is driven home even more when we consider Zechariah's words to his own son, John. Verses 76 through 77, he speaks to his son, John, and he says, You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Often when we read the Christmas story in our Christmas nativities or in Luke, where do we usually start? What chapter? 
Luke 2, right? If you turn back a page to Luke 1, about half, more than half of Luke 1, and the beginning is focused on whose birth? John's. So Luke says that John's birth is really important. But why was John's birth really important, and what does any of that have to do with Jesus? Well, the angel, when he appears to Zechariah in Luke 1, verses 8 through 17, tells Zechariah that John had a special role to play. That John would come, verse 16, and he would turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. That he would go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So John's job was to go ahead of Jesus and to get God's people ready. To say, God is coming. He's coming, so you need to get ready. You need to repent and turn from sin and turn back to God. And this role of John's had been promised, like Jesus' role had been promised in the Old Testament, specifically by the prophet Malachi in Malachi 3 and 4. How many of you have read Malachi? That's usually one of the ones that's kind of in our Old Testament prophets, and we sometimes lose track of it. But it's actually a pretty depressing book if you read it, at least the beginning part. In it, God takes the role of a prosecutor and prosecutes a case against his own people for their unfaithfulness. He brings charges. He says, you've done this in rebellion against me. You've done this in unfaithfulness against me. You've done this and this and this and this. And God prosecutes a case against his people and says, you are unclean, you are unholy, you are unrighteous, and this is not pleasing in my sight. But at the end of Malachi, in Malachi 3 and 4, God promises that that won't always be the case. That one day he will come and he will purify his people. And those who refuse to follow him will be cut out, but those who trust in him, who repent and turn from sin, will be part of his people forever and will receive great blessing. In fact, he speaks, Malachi 4.2, of For those who fear his name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And all of this, God promises in Malachi, will be proclaimed and heralded by a messenger who will go before him. And that messenger was John. And so when the angel comes to Zechariah and says, your son John will be the messenger of God who will do all of these things that Malachi said the messenger would do, Zechariah knows that God is not just coming, that God is not just delivering his people from the consequences of their sin, but that God is calling them to repentance and purifying them. That he is addressing not just sin's effects, but sin's control over them. And so he delights and he celebrates and he tells his own son John that he's not the main event, he's just the opening act. But his role is to proclaim that God is bringing purification, that he is bringing holiness and righteousness, and that he will bless those among his people who turn from their sin and follow him. He promises not just deliverance of his people from sin's effects, but purification of his people, that they might be the sort of people they ought to be, 
that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness all of our days. The message of Christmas is more than just that God delivers us from darkness and death. It's that he works in us holiness and righteousness for his name's sake that we might serve and honor him. And that's a good thing. Because in the coming of Jesus, we are freed from sin's power. We're told in Scripture that we have died to sin through the crucifixion of Christ. We're told that Jesus' blood is the blood of the new covenant by which God writes His ways on our hearts that we might serve Him. We are filled with the Holy Spirit as a result of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension by which we're empowered to serve God in holiness and righteousness. And so this side of the incarnation, this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are empowered as God's people to live lives of holiness and righteousness that God's people could not live in the Old Testament in ways that are better than they could ever achieve then. We are freed to follow God well in holiness and righteousness all of our days. We are no longer doomed to constantly rebel against him again and again and again and to descend further into darkness and the shadow of death. And that's good news. That's reason to bless the Lord. And that's why Zechariah blesses the Lord. Because he not only is delivering his people from the consequences of their sin, but he is purifying his people of the power and contamination of their sin. But if that weren't good enough news, all of this is because God is a God who forgives His people. The message that John is to bring is one of knowledge of salvation, verse 77, in the forgiveness of their sins. And this forgiveness is because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. God will give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. God will guide our feet into the way of peace. God could have just written off his people entirely and said, you know what? A people that rebels against me again and again and again, I'm just going to wipe my hands clean and cast them off. God could have wiped out all of humanity in the flood and we would have deserved it. God could look at our own individual lives and say, why would I want anything to do with Dirk or with you or her? God could have just cast us off. That's what we would have deserved. God could have cast his people off. That's what his people deserved. God could have left his people drowning in their darkness and in their death. But is that what God did? No. God forgave his people. Through the work of Jesus, God sent him. The very fact that God was delivering his people was a sign of his forgiveness. The fact that God was purifying his people was a sign of his forgiveness. And all of this forgiveness was accomplished through the coming of Jesus and through his death on the cross. Jesus came into the earth to reign as the son on David's throne, but he was also the king who went to the cross who died on the cross for our sins, that if we repent and believe in him, we might have life and light and be brought into the way of righteousness and holiness, of peace 
that we might bring glory to God. God is a faithful God, even to those who are faithless. God is a forgiving God, even to those who don't deserve it. God is a holy and righteous God who looks at an unholy and unrighteous people made up of unholy, unrighteous people and transforms them, transforms us to be holy and righteous. All of this is a gift of his grace. None of this comes from Zechariah or from us or because we deserve it. All of it is because God is a good and forgiving God a God who has delivered us through Jesus. Zechariah blesses God, and we should too, because he has saved us from our sins. He has delivered us from sin's consequences. He has purified us and is purifying us from our sins. But most importantly, he has forgiven us for our sins. So let us, with Zechariah this Christmas season, bless the Lord. Let us praise him and worship him and honor him and celebrate him because he has done so much good for us who never deserved it. Would you please join me in a word of prayer? Blessed be you, O Lord, our God, God of Israel, for you have visited and redeemed us, your people, and have raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of your servant David, just as you spoke by the mouth of your holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. You have shown us the mercy promised to our fathers. You remember your holy covenant, the oath that you swore to our father Abraham. You have granted us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve you without fear. Cause us to serve you in holiness and righteousness all of our days. We thank you for sending not only Jesus, but also John the Baptist, the prophet of you, the Most High, who went before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to us, your people, in the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for that forgiveness which comes because of your tender mercy, God. And we thank you that you have made the sunrise to visit us from on high, that you have given light to us, though we sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, that you guide our feet into the way of peace. We bless you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.